This call may be recorded or transcribed. Good morning, my father. Uh, good morning, my son. How are you? Ah, good. Back home in California Hi. after my week in the Midwest, and uh, <laughs> yeah. the dogs were very happy to see me. They're getting their morning walk now. Oh, okay. So uh, the kids were even like happy it. to see me, which was which was quite nice. With teenagers, I wasn't even sure if they noticed I was gone. So it was they both came out and gave me a hug, which was very Ooh. touching. My Ooh. kids. They both, when I came home, they both, like, stopped what they were doing and came out and gave me a hug. Hello? Which was, hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. So who gave you a hug? Like, both of my children. You know, oh, stopped no. what they were doing and came out of their room <laughs> and gave me a hug, which I was totally not expecting. I didn't even think they knew I was gone. <laughs> of course they knew you were gone. <laughs> yeah. So, but you you look like you missed your dogs and you were spending a lot of time with Silas. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you were able to uh, see the next chapter? Uh, yes, I did. It was a very short chapter, so it was a little easier okay. to read, I think. And he's doing the thing where he alternates. Uh, I don't know if this is deliberate or just the way that the timing of his of Rockefeller's life went. Um, but he, the author seems to alternate between focusing on the family and focusing on the business. Right. I guess that's one thing that Ron Chernow said implied was distinctive about his biography is that he spends a lot of time focusing on the family, both the family of origin and his personal life, rather than just doing a pure story of the business, because he thinks the two are deeply intertwined. I think so. I think both of them are equally uh, important, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the sense that they're important, but they are dependent upon each other. And right. this is the. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. This chapter brings that out in different ways. Like, the first part is mostly talking about his, the raising of his kids and buying this fancy estate that is maybe not the most elegantly designed, but has, enormous, has lots of space and enormous views. Um, yeah. And, you know, it talks about his kids, talks about his siblings, talks a little bit about his dad, um, you know, talks about how, you know, the very strict religious environment that Rockefeller created for his kids, uh, which seems a bit of a downer. On the other hand, he comes across as an incredibly engaged father, where he will, you know, come home for lunch and then just blow off the day and hang out with his kids playing games. You yeah, know, I think so. He goes totally at odds with my image of a workaholic. Yeah, uh, a businessman. Yeah, I think you know. Yeah, and they also did uh, religious things too. They prayed before the meals, and they prayed before. Uh, I think he went and prayed with them at night or something like that when they were younger. Yeah, yeah. and then he made yeah. them all tithe and and earned their own money to donate mm -hmm. to the church. Yeah. And now he'll like sit at church and notice people who are in need in his little more middle class Baptist church, and uh, you know, you know, press small amounts of money in their hands, whilst and, you know, and similarly being scrupulous about not. On the one hand, he's very scrupulous about not discussing business on the Sabbath. On the other hand, you know, he sees his business as an extension of honoring God. 
Yeah. And um, like one point, he I think he advises the woman to save money, and he goes, "I apologize for discussing business on the Sabbath, but you know this is really the Lord's work." And yeah. This to me is at the heart of the paradox and perhaps even the tragedy mm. of Rockefeller mm. is that he's clearly a genuinely deeply pious man. Yeah. Uh, you know, he goes to prayer meetings, he you know, oh, yeah. he, you know, donates generously, et cetera. Um even when he was a clerk, he was active in the yeah. church. I, I think you were, I think we may have mentioned it in the stocks that Yeah, he uh, he literally helped save the done. church by organizing a fundraiser. Yeah. Fundraiser, yeah, and then uh, I think he put his money first or something like that. Uh, on a side note, uh, I thought we also emphasized that uh, when you guys earn money, 10% goes to God, 10% to savings, and the rest of it you can use, which was the, I think we we tried to do that with you guys. Yeah, right? we tried to do that, you know, and we were doing that at one point. Uh, I mean, saving is, and this is kind of interesting, like in the modern world, saving is a very weird thing. Mm. Uh, because we talked about how Rockefeller had a hard time, well, he's sort of inventing cap, you know, modern capitalism uh, along the way. Yeah. Of course, we don't really know. Yeah. I, it doesn't, I don't know enough about industrial history to know what the other, there were other self-made industrial millionaires at this time who were very extravagant and lavish and showy. It was not one of them. Um, so I don't know how no. the other millionaires made their money, but right. he seemed like he was pioneering a lot of what we consider, or what I consider modern capitalism. Um, but so one of the things is that, like, for example, when I was working at Apple, there was this mm. question of, you know, should I be saving my Apple stock or no. should I be selling it? And... Mm. You know the, um, the 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 mantra of like, well, you should be saving, but like, what where where do you invest in your future, and what does that come out of, you know? And so we decided rather than saving money, we were going to treat the Apple stock as the savings, and that worked out really really well, right? Uh, in many ways, right? And so yeah. this this sort of conservative mindset this is you know this was uh, like on the one hand he's very um anyway uh, he was also very frugal i'm so conflicted about like the fact that i don't live up to that mantra even though i've made lots of money in other ways and Mm. um you know and partly it is this thing about trying to live this entrepreneurial lifestyle which is at odds with the sort of simplistic at least version of i mean i guess rockefeller's mantra which is slightly different which is make all you can save all you can give all you can right right and the the 80 20 the 80 10 10 one uh doesn't as much embrace that um investing for the future it's it's a bit more on the Mm. conservative side yeah now Um, and uh, i'm still sort of wrestling with that yeah in this chapter uh, do they mention that uh, they lived a very frugal lifestyle? And then I think the, the John Jr. said that uh, he was wearing his sister's clothing when he was until he was like a six yeah. or seven. Or well, because, don't forget, he grew up sort of uh, what is it, I guess a periodic poverty, 
right? Because his right. dad was this wild rent traveling guy who would occasionally come back with large amounts of money and always came back and always had a lot of money and paid off all the debt. But right. There were these long stretches where they were living, you know, yeah, hand to mouth, you know, yeah. on on credit, you know, and yeah. things like that. And I think it said even John Jr. His son had to wear his sister's dresses. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, John Jr. had to wear. Yeah, yeah. So, so Rockefeller started yeah. out very. And I think um, you know one of the interesting things is uh, it takes uh, you know two people to do that, right? His wife also had the same mindset. Even though right. she was it's not very totally... abject poverty, uh, she was also very uh, conservative in her spending and in her child raising. Right. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that they were is that they talk about Rockefeller's sisters. Um, yeah. One of the he said, you know, I guess the mayor was fairly well adjusted, but the other yeah. one was sort of the the caricature of this, and that she like kept no servants and like scrubbed all the places herself. Like she kind of became, you know, hundred percent. She she went to the her mother's extreme of, right. of just always. She she was, I guess, what we would stuck, uh, we would say, stuck in the poverty spirit. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've seen that in the world, right? You know, I mean, uh, I have oh, yeah. friends who are uh, really wealthy, and uh, one of their children will be uh, flaunting the wealth, uh, so to say. The other one yeah. will be uh, going the other way and uh, saving a lot and not living a very lavish lifestyle. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, every child is different. We always think that you know is nurture, right? And uh, nature, nature versus nurture. Uh, some of it may have rubbed off on them. Some of it is their own personalities, right? Well, well, I think that right, it's obviously a combination, right? And there's also the idea of role. Like someone will take, uh, like the, the the three brothers are the most interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So John Derek Rockefeller is is massively successful. Yeah. Um, but you know, not and and charming and persuasive, but not uh, extravagant. You right. Know, uh, it's interesting. Both of the daughters married these uh, very jolly, outgoing men, very much yeah. like their father, <laughs> Wild Bill, right? Big mm. Bill. And yeah. then um, his brother Frank was the sort of reckless, impetuous, extravagant, yeah. jovial one, and yeah. William was in the middle, literally in the middle of trying to reconcile the two and but he joined uh, uh, he joined william joined uh, uh john right well yes william was the one who ran the the new york business and it was very much a yeah. case of uh, he, he he in some ways i kind of got the sense that uh that john, that uh, john became kind of a surrogate father to william yeah and that he was the yeah. one who kind of established the context and the boundaries and William did very well by staying sort of in John's shadow. Right. You know? Um, mm -hmm. But the, the thing that struck me, so there's uh, the, the, the most um, heartbreaking piece of this section for me was John's relationship with his brother, Frank. Yeah. Uh, because it talks about how the they you know frank was you know a gambler and profligate and uh would often 
you know, side with John's enemies against him. Yeah. You know, yeah, and there's dirt part. on him, and yeah. it ends yeah. with him, like, working to try to get John subpoenaed. On the other hand, you know, uh, they, you know, he would often come back apologetic, which the author sort of slightly says was because he owed a lot of money to John. And yeah. John, for his part, repeatedly tried to reconcile with his brother, Frank. Yeah. You know, uh, even hiring him on various occasions. And there's the one scene that was the most that I found the most poignant, which mm. was that uh, John hired um, Frank to uh, run some ships for him on Lake Michigan, mm. and you know he um, you know didn't do a good Frank did not do a good job of maintaining and spanning the fleet. So when John had to call on him, uh, you know. It, it, the ships weren't ready, and it was it was hurting John's business. And yeah. John said, "Look, if you can't do this, I have to get someone else." And he, you know, bought Frank out. Yeah. And you know, when it's just business, and Rockefeller is pursuing kind of this uh, strategy of scorched earth and focusing on the efficiency or whatever, it's like, well, okay, that makes perf- you know, it's 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 a bit harsh, but it makes sense. But when it's your own yeah. flesh and blood, it takes on a yeah. bit of a a darker tinge, right? Yeah. Well, and... but you know, but that's that's a tough situation, right? You, you cannot uh, win either way because uh, you since it talks. About, I was going to talk about nepotism here uh, in yeah. terms of uh, the William. It worked well in India. It's very common, uh, especially in the medical circles. For a father to have like three sons and their daughter-in-laws, they're all doctors. They all form a clinic. They all work together, and yeah. and then, and then uh, it is public in uh, in a public uh, situation. It may be difficult in the corporate world. It may be difficult to uh, have your own people in high positions because one, like you said. It looked like you're favoring them and whatever they're doing, you're agreeing with them. On the other hand, if they don't do well, what do you do with them? You cannot cut the cord because then that means you are kind of mean to your own sibling. But if you don't do that, your business is going to go down. That's not a good uh, financial decision. So it's a tough situation either way, right? Yeah, no, it's very tough. And what's fascinating, I just heard a story of the Porsche family, you know, like the Porsche 911, that car company mm. and and they had this thing where they were running and designing both the Porsche company and then they were working with the Volkswagen company and there were two mm. uh, grandsons I think who were sort of mm. competing and the 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 elder uh, of the middle generation mm. you know the executive decision you know hey we're just gonna exit the business so that we can feel safe going to each other's birthday parties. Because there was so much family tension, and he was worried it was going to tear the family <laughs> apart. And he said, yeah. we're just people, and it, it was disastrous for the business. Mm. Uh, like the one, because the Porsche company uh, floundered, and then mm. the other one went to work for Volkswagen, and became okay. one of their celebrated executives. And mm. uh, there was all this political intrigue between uh, the companies thereafter. But like he kept it, he 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 literally chose to sacrifice the family business to preserve family stability, uh, which yeah. you know are the the Silicon Valley people who are reviewing this is like this is just insane. Who would do this, you know? But it's like I guess they must have really thought family was important. 
And the thing that struck me about this, mm. the question, uh, they talk a lot about the temperance movement and how, like, oh, yeah, yeah we're very, laws, very strong on that. Yeah, they, were very strong. they were focused on abolition, you know, yeah. which was very, you know, which we look back now and say, of course, you know, that was very forward thinking and brilliant and moral. Yeah. And then yeah. they shifted that, that same exact fervor to temperance. Which we can be, we may be somewhat sympathetic for, but we know that prohibition was basically a, a failed experiment. Right. <laughs> and yeah. you know now, like I wouldn't think about uh, owning slaves, but I definitely you know consume alcohol, especially when I'm visiting Minnesota with my brother-in-law. And so, you know, it 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 <laughs> it's, it is. What the thing that I wondered about. Mm. Was, but Rani, I would I would have no yeah. compare uh, no I, because I'm a teetotaler, I would have no problem yeah. with that, right? With, with problem with what? And, and I grew up with a with prohibition, so alcohol is not a problem. I'll support temperance, right? No, I understand, but like you won't have yeah. a problem with, but you don't have a problem with me drinking alcohol. You would still have a problem with me owning slaves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still have. I don't want to mention it here in this broadcast, but I still have problems. <laughs> no, with okay. okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? <laughs> Your father. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so worry, which is probably the, the yeah. more. But right, here's, right, so yeah. this is actually good because there there is some tension here. Um, yeah. And the the so clearly, you know. Uh, uh, Rockefeller was, you know, John Rockefeller was very devout, yeah. and his devotion had many extraordinary benefits. Right? It gave him, well, him you know, um, <laughs> yeah. him, yeah. him and Ted, like, to, to anyone inside the fold, it was hmm. a, a, a dramatic good, right? To right. be his children, to be all the people who worked for him, and even his enemy yeah. who came over to his side and they stayed in the yeah. fold, it was yeah. great, right? Yeah. But yeah. the ones on the outside, I mean, uh, Ida Trumbull, you know, sort of dishes up some dirt and right. gets some of the things. And the, the, there's these, um, there's, this, there's, there's a couple of things I've noticed in this passage that were a little weird. Like mm. he bought this, sprawling place and he devoted it into a he he sent he sort of established the center for homeopathic medicine this is the first time i yeah. think we see his medical interest there which which is a, it was supposed to be this like resort kind of a thing and then it failed then they take it over as the family house and then they try to turn it into a paying club which was very weird oh. right he'll invite I like he, he said mm. he, so he said he basically they buy the sanitarium which is set up like a like a hotel and it's kind of big and sprawling, so they decide to try renting it out to people. But he invites mm. people to come and stay at guests of the hotel, and they're very confused when they get a bill because they think they're being <laughs> oh, know, I see. guests of the I family don't remember that. as opposed to, yeah. Mm. And the kids are like, there's these weird, you know, uh, we're all eating at these small tables with black servants rather than as a big family around the dinner table. It, you know, it's all this strange dynamic where, and this is the thing is that, where business and family collide, right? Rockefeller's compartmentalization mm. seems to be more of a curse than a blessing, right? Mm. Is yeah. that, you know, and this is the, you know, like the last episode was about compartmentalization, 
this one, the title I've been going with is Inside Out Morality, uh, Inside Slash Out Morality. Because, like, the, the great thing about the Baptists, and I got the tail end of this when we went to Awana, was mm-hmm. that they have this very, um, you know, missionary zeal about yeah. converting people to a healthy lifestyle and, and focusing on sins like, uh, you know, alcohol and gambling, which clearly yeah. did destroy people, right? Yeah. But the solution that Rockefeller had available to him did not work, right? So preaching at him, uh, mm-hmm. uh, preaching at his brother Frank, you know, offering mm-hmm. him a job, trying to set up a business, all the things he tried uh, didn't actually solve the problem. And in fact, right. seems to actually have increased the alienation. Mm. And the thing that struck me, and this is an interesting question, uh, mm. I don't know where would Islam have worked equally well for John D. Rockefeller? You know, a religion based on no, you know, I don't think alcohol? so. I, I, I don't think so. No, no. I mean, that, that okay. part maybe, but uh, uh, I don't think uh, he, Rockefeller showed a lot of grace, which is not part of Islam. No. So what do you mean by, can you give me an example of where, of what kind of grace he showed? His brother came back to him and he kept helping him from time to time. Uh, that's right, one part I mean, of it. The, and the, the other thing I, is, you know, I so, think... So sorry, uh, but let's, let's, let's talk about this. Because, I mean, Islam finish. is also very strong in family. So I don't know if that's a really fair comparison point. Uh, no, but it was I mean, family, I mean, but I the thing is... If I heard a Muslim businessman did this, it wouldn't surprise me at all. That kind of grace, you know, towards the family no, no, members who no, strays even, and comes I, back I to the fold. No, Rockefeller, you treated even most of his enemies with grace, too, and which wouldn't have happened. Uh, he would have been more well, ruthless in business so, so, I don't well, think, okay, I, let's, I think let's, we should, let's put a pin in that. Keep that going. Yeah, we should drop that part. Yeah, I don't think he'll be a good Islamic Muslim, no. Okay, well, no, no, no. So this is a very important point because you use the word grace, and I want to talk about that. What that means, okay? Mm-hmm. Because what it's I unmerited hear, favor. Mm. No, well, but it's, 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 this is the thing. It's not quite right because what Rockefeller showed was, I would, I think, a better term would be clemency, which is that when an enemy surrenders to you, you accept their surrender with good grace and rehabilitate them. Right. And so and this is a very important distinction because the grace involved was very much, you know, Rockefeller had his religion, whether it's Standard Oil or Baptist or whatever, is almost indistinguishable in his mind. Mm -hmm. And if you embrace that religion, then he would offer you clemency. But if you um, forfeited that clemency then, you know, it, it was, uh, like, we, we talk about uh, Schofield, which I guess is actually his, uh, one of his in-laws. Mm. Uh, I forget who it was. I think one of the daughters, one of his sisters married with Schofield or whatever. Mm. And there's this, apocryphal, there's this possibly apocryphal story where he said, I'm going to slip a knife in that man's ribs. Really? And, I don't remember that. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. He says where where this guy, you know, he did the secret deal with him with Schofield, where he bought him out during the Cleveland massacre. Actually, no, sorry, his brother Frank mm. was part of the Schofield 
maybe Frank had married in the Schofield family. And mm. so, you know, the Schofield, you know, he bought them out during the Cleveland massacre and then they started up another refinery. Uh, yeah. And they did this a couple of times where he would make it. And then he made it like a secret deal with them to limit production. And then that finally went to court. And that was one of the few times he got uh, thrown out because of his secret mm. agreement to the production. And mm. I feel for Rockefeller in that these are, you know, excruciating, harrowing situations. A, he's trying to rationalize an irrational business. You know, so he has to, there are no rules against these very real problems. And so he has to break some of the other rules. Mm. But, you know, what happens is, and, and this is where I feel a bit for Frank, because I feel like I've been in these circumstances, is that people, um, see that you have a problem um, and then they have a ready-made solution that they try to fit you into and then if you fail in that they blame you right so Rockefeller solution to everyone is everything is basically stop drinking and work hard <laughs> you know that's kind of his stick mm-hmm. and like that's a really useful religion up to a point but the question is, then what happens, right? It's sort of normally good, but when it fails, then Rockefeller, you know, has no exceptional process for dealing with that. Well, I don't know about that, Ernie, because if I remember correctly, and I haven't read the book recently, right? But yeah. you think it's because he just told him to straighten up, but that was not the only thing. But he also, uh, the other guy, he Frank joined with his enemies and went against him. And that type of thing, right? Well, I mean, yes. so yeah. So, uh, what do you do then? Well, so, right. So, I mean, is, you well, cannot blame is... him for that. You cannot say what you're doing is wrong. So this is an interesting right. question, right? Hmm. So this is the other possible title I was looking at hmm. uh, for this section was what I call inside uh, was binary morality. Is this what desire morality? to say? Binary morality, true, false, yes, okay. no, good, evil, dual, dualism, I guess is maybe a better term. Yeah, dualism, okay. Right? Um, of, of doing wrong, I ran out of poop bags, so I am allowing my dogs to commit civic infringement. I need to go find another poop bag and come back. Uh, okay. See if I have time <laughs> to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, well, again, it's like, you know. Yeah, you know, but the thing is, Ernie, I mean, it's also. Uh, uh, there's another saying, right? You feel me once, shame on you. You feel me twice, shame on me, right? So if somebody is going against you, you forgive them once, but the second time you're more cautious. So very careful, aren't you? Well, yeah, so, so, but, but, but here, ah, okay, this is good. This is, um, so that is a useful saying. It is definitely not scripture, right? No. The, 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 that phrase is not scripture, right? And Jesus... So there, uh, you know, made this very crazy, you know, extravagant statement, right? If my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Oh, yeah, I'll forgive him, but I won't do business with him again. Right. I'll be very careful. I won't make the same mistake right. again. I so, forgive so, right. him. So, and right. relationship will be restored, a... but I won't go into business with him. But, but the, the question is, is the relationship actually restored if there is no trust? 
that's totally different issues. It's totally so, different so, issues. So, okay. Relationship, so, uh, relationship is sorry. nothing to do with uh, doing business, Ernie. So sorry. Okay, let's. I'm happy. Okay, I don't think so. Was, see, uh, I, uh, I, I buy a property and uh, give it to you, and you squander it all away. I won't. I'll, I'll still invite you to my birthday parties. I still love you as my brother, but I won't buy another property and give it to you. Right? Would you so, do that? So sorry, I, I have some things to say. I'm not sure you're able to hear me. Okay. So do you need go a ahead. moment, or do you think you can actually hear what I'm no, going to no, say? No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Tell me what you want to say. Right. So, so the issue is. What does it mean for a relationship to be restored? And my claim is that the, the essence of restoring a relationship is the restoration of trust. Go ahead. Are you still there? Okay, yeah. yeah go so, ahead. So, 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 well, so the question is that if there, if, um, well, okay, that was the point I made first, and then you said that that was totally irrelevant. So do you see why I'm talking about trust in the context of relationship and restoration? Okay. When you're done, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. So the, 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 the question is, is that right? If someone wounds me deeply and that behavior does not change, you know, certainly one could make a case that it is not wise to trust that person, but then it raises the question, has the relationship truly been restored? Okay, I'll leave it there, then you can speak. Uh, I don't agree with you, because let's say um, I have a brother who's an alcoholic, mm -hmm. and he says he has given up alcohol, and he comes to my house, mm -hmm. I invite him for all the parties, okay? I'm not gonna serve mm -hmm. any alcohol because it'll be a problem. You say you don't trust him, no, I don't want to cause a problem. Right. So the, the same so the way, if I do business do... with him, if I give up, if I'll still love him. I'll, I'll, but I won't make the same mistake of allowing him to fail again, whether it's in business or his personal life. Okay. So that's an wrong? interesting phrase. Well, so yeah. here's the thing, right? Uh, so there's a, I think there's a difference. Uh, between, so well, well, the thing that I hear is paternalism. I will not allow him to fail. Because I love him. <laughs> it, it may not be paternalism, Ernie. It doesn't have to be, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be my brother, my uncle, or somebody else like that. I'm not going to put him in a uh, chance to fail if I can't help it. You think that's wrong? Well, I don't know, Dad. How are you feeling at the moment? Oh, I, I feel good. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sensing a little bit of emotional you and I energy are... behind you. No. no I'm sensing no, a bit no, of emotional no, no. energy in these statements. No, no, no. I, 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 well, and I think we've discussed this before on the podcast. The word hmm. failure hmm. is a bit of an emotionally loaded term for us. For you. Well, <laughs> it definitely is for me because I think it's very yeah. mostly loaded for you, even if you don't admit it, or maybe especially because you won't admit it. 
Okay. Please listen to yourself. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So the right because the thing is, is that the it, and this is the problem of like I'm not going to let him fail. It's um because of myself. I'm not. Let him, I don't want to be the cause for him to fail. Well, maybe right. So, so here's the here's here's my problem with that statement or my concern with that statement. Okay. Yeah. There is an obviously. A benevolent perspective on that that hey I see this problem this other person has this problem I don't have this problem therefore I should act in my strength to protect that person right no you're going about it the wrong way again no, is, that not, is that not what you said okay then I misunderstood you try, try again no, no. To explain your position. Yeah, right. I, yeah I keep saying that I don't want to be the cause of him failing and you say it's protecting him? No, because it's love. So that's an interesting definition of love. So, so how are you defining I'm using saying, the word love in that context? In that context, Ernie, I love you so much, I don't want you to get hurt. And right. not from what I am doing. I don't want to hurt you by doing things. Sorry, because I love you, different... I don't want to do things <laughs> that will hurt you. Yeah. Sorry. That's that's how I look at it. Well, so, but there's a there's like, what if not? What if being distrusted hurts me more? When you say you don't want to hurt me, don't you really mean I don't want you to hurt yourself in this particular way? I don't want to be the cause for you to hurt yourself. In that's that particular way. Okay, so right. Yeah. Well, so, but, so, so it's very important to say, like, we've had this happen where we had like a former alcoholic come to one of our church social events. And so we said, okay, let's be careful and not order any drinks. But then this guy felt hurt that we were making all these extraordinary things. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be at the church saying, I won't drink. It's not a temptation thing. You should just do it. Right. And he felt hurt that we didn't trust him. And the question is, does that count? Or I'm deciding, well, you know, I know you think that, but how you think you're hurt, is different than what I how I think you're hurt. Okay, that's fine. Wait, wait, what is fine? You can think that way. That's okay. But, but, but right. the question what is, you do think you... Is your, what you're thinking is right? I'm not going to change my behavior because of that. Okay, because I still believe what I'm saying, Ernie. Yeah, I, right. I'm still believing in what I'm saying, Ernie. But I love you so much that I'm not going to be the cause of you to be getting hurt. If I can prevent it, sorry. I, I don't want to do it. And I'm controlling no, my, I'm controlling my <laughs> behavior, Ernie. I'm controlling yes. my behavior. Yeah. Yes, Father, but this is this is precisely, and this is great. Yeah. This is great audio if anyone ever listens to oh. it, right? This okay. is precisely the tension that I have run into in our relationship in the past. In that, in your desire to keep me from being hurt. You end up doing things that hurt me very deeply. And that is a paradox that I'm not sure we've yet resolved. I'm sorry to hear that, that I hurt you deeply. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you, Sarah. I feel like we talked through this, and so it's kind of interesting that it's come back up again. I think we're talking about three different things here. But from whatever we're talking about generally, it's become personal now. 
and i think we should stop the podcast here and we should talk about it privately okay i, think, I thought this was resolved i thought apparently well, the audience was, was still, resolved but, uh, yeah i yeah. don't want to talk about and, it publicly and, no okay well good let's drop the podcast and i'll call you back on the personal line Okay. And this is good because I'm also going to go back on my trail and pick up all the, the poop, poop that I left behind. So there's some uncollected poop to be dealt with, so we will deal with that offline. Talk to you, talk to you okay. momentarily, okay. Dad. Okay. Okay. Bye. Well, bye. Bye.